All right, today we're going to jump into a Jesus story to learn from what he said and what he did. Uh, And the story today is a little bit similar from what Laura led us in last week. It's a time that Jesus took people who were, were, were so serious about following the letter of the law strictly and following all the rules, and he reinterpreted things for them in a really helpful and life-giving way. But today is, is, is different than last week. It's a different story. It's a different principle. It's different application. Um, a, a different angle that he has, and I know that the message today is going to be helpful for you in your life. But to get us into that, we need a little bit of background first. And so I just want to ask you to think about a time that you have received a gift that was intended as a blessing for you, but it turned out to be a burden. Now, I saw a video the other day of this guy who bought his nephew ducklings. It came in a little box three little ducklings, and the, the guy was so proud of his gift for his nephew's birthday. I think he was 11 years old, the boy. The boy was over the moon, like speechless at how exciting this was, these, these ducklings. And mum was absolutely livid. Now, it was a blessing to the, the giver and to the receiver, but to mum, who knew how much work this was going to be for her, and what a burden this was going to be, she was not impressed. So I wonder if you've ever received a plant that you struggled to keep alive, or a pet that you never wanted in the first place, or a noisy toy for your kids that mysteriously went missing one day. And you still don't know where it is. (laughs) Landfill, probably. Someone has given you a gift that they think will bring joy and laughter and, and blessing into your life. But from your perspective, it's been a hassle and a burden. The gift was meant to be a blessing, but instead it was a burden. Now, in the Ten Commandments, in the Old Testament book of Exodus, God gives his people a gift. The fourth commandment is a gift of the Sabbath day. But it isn't necessarily received as a gift. And when you think about the Sabbath, you think about this idea of a day of rest in a week, six days of work, one day of rest, you might not think of it as a blessing either. You might think of it as a burden. But let's go back to the beginning, and then we'll jump ahead and see what Jesus says about it. So this is Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, God speaking to his people. He said, remember to observe the, observe the, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So there's a difference between the ordinary and the holy. It's as if you had two pairs of shoes, and one of those pairs of shoes was your ordinary work shoes that you would wear all week, but you have a special holy pair of shoes. You wouldn't dream of wearing those shoes to work. They're special shoes only for that special one day a week. They are your holy set apart shoes. That's the idea. Six days are for ordinary use, but one day is very special. And he says, on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. Because for in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. And that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the Sabbath day, or to the Jews in, in, in my best pronunciation, Shabbat, is a day of rest. That's what it means. It's a rest 
day. It's different. It's special. Six days for ordinary, one day for special. And it was it was designed that way and set apart with God's um, demonstration. Like he illustrated it in the Genesis 1 account of creation. He did all the work in six days and then he rested and appreciated his creation on the seventh day. And so for the ancient Israelites at the time of the Exodus, they were told that on that day, no one or no thing in their household could do any work. Not just them, but also you couldn't make your kids do all the work. You couldn't make your servants or your staff do all the work. You couldn't even make the foreigners living among you do all the work. You couldn't even make your animals do the work for you. Everyone and everything had to stop. One day, free of obligation and duty. A day where enjoyment and ease are the priority. A day to be deeply refreshed, to pause the chaos and the hustle of everyday life, to reconnect with God, to feel our souls, to feed our souls, to laugh, to play, to be inspired, to remember that the world doesn't depend on us to connect with people we love and to embrace that we are loved human beings apart from anything we do or contribute to the world. This is the gift of Sabbath, a blessing, but it became a burden because it's quite hard to figure out what is work and what isn't work. What is rest and and what isn't rest? The Sabbath is incredibly inconvenient. Because if you're a farmer at the time of the Exodus in the Old Testament, and the Sabbath day is arriving, but you're in the middle of harvesting your crops, when sunset hits on Friday, you have to stop work. But that could mean that a big part of your harvest is going to rot and go to waste if you don't get it done on the Sabbath day. So what what are you going to do? Or if you're an ancient Israelite mum and you run out of nappies on the Sabbath day and you think, I'll just walk down to Woolies and buy some more, you go, oh, Woolies is closed. It's the Sabbath. Uh, Not Woolies, but if you're going to walk to a neighboring village to borrow some from a friend or buy some from someone else, you go, well, it's a long way. How... How far is too far for it to then be work and not rest? When is a a walk a walk and when is a walk work? It was really difficult to figure out. So long before you and I wrestled with this idea of Sabbath and rest and how to honor God's commandment, the ancient people of Israel wrestled with it. And in steps Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, it says, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Now, the Pharisees are the moral and spiritual police. They don't represent the mood of all the people But they do of one group. They're the extremists. They're the literalists. And they had power and a really clear idea of what it meant to work and what it meant to rest. They had broken it down into very, very clear details and categories. And so the act of breaking off a head of grain was the same as harvesting. And that was work. And so they're saying, hey, you're breaking the rules, but really you're dishonoring God. You're dishonoring his gift of the Sabbath. 
explain yourself. And Jesus said to them, well, haven't you read in the scriptures, this is the Old Testament, uh, 1 Samuel 21, when David and his companions were hungry. They went into the house of God. This is during the, the era when Abiathar was high priest. And they broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. This is an interesting story for Jesus to point back to. It's, uh, it's like a, a subtle flex in his day because King David was the best. If you could say, hey, I'm just being like King David, it'd be like, oh, okay, all right, I, I get it now. It's like the best person to point to. And one of the most famous people in their history. But what it shows is that even though in their law, only the priests could eat the special sacred bread that was set apart for them, David and his soldiers came and ate it and, and that was okay. They were okay before God, even though they'd broken the rules. And so Jesus says, same with my disciples. Their hearts and their intentions before God are okay. They are in need, like David and his soldiers were, and it's okay for them to break your rules by harvesting grain to eat. Breaking and eating wasn't a problem. But what if they'd done the opposite? So you have the disciples here breaking and eating heads of grain and Jesus is saying God's okay with that. God's okay with them breaking your rules because they're in need to eat, to break and eat on the Sabbath. That's okay. God is okay with that. They're honoring God by doing that. Let's think about the opposite, okay? The rules said they shouldn't do that. The rules said that's work. The rules said you have to rest, can't harvest, can't break grain. If the disciples had been walking through and saw the heads of grain and decided, no, we'll follow the rules because, because God is most honored when we follow the rules. We're in need, we're hungry, but we won't eat. Which is more honoring of the Sabbath? Which is more honoring to God? Now, the Pharisees said, absolutely, obeying the rules, being very, very strict, God is most pleased, most honored when you follow that. And, and I bet... I bet if, if you applied this to your own life and thought about a situation where you're bending the rules or following the rules, you'd go, God is way more pleased if I follow the letter of the law and I do things exactly right. But Jesus is saying, no, this is completely fine what these people are doing. This would not have honored God more. Following the ceremonial law, following the strict rules doesn't honor God more than hearts that are devoted to him. Let's go to the start of the next chapter. This is chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Now, this might have been the same Sabbath day, or it might have been the next one. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Because so far, it's only been his disciples, but they're trying to catch him out. And so Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Now, this wasn't just inconvenient, this man's hand. You know, um, Christian tradition says that he was a plasterer by trade. And he was having to do his work with just the one good hand because one of them was deformed. And so this man was really in need for his everyday life and well-being and his work. We don't know if that's true or not, but it helps us understand this, this man's possible situation. But, but even, if, even if he did some other kind of work in his life, it was also shameful. It was 
It was embarrassing. It would have been self-conscious for him because in his culture, he would have been excluded from a whole bunch of things. Hey, hey, we don't want you around here. You can't come in here. You can't do that because of your disability. But Jesus invites him to come to the front, to the place of honor. And then Jesus turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. Like, surely that's an easy question. But he's intentionally trying to catch them out because they're so strict on the rules. They wouldn't even answer him. And he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. And as soon as they saw that, at once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of King Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. The Pharisees couldn't see this man's need. They could not see past this violation of their law. And Jesus was so angry and so sad at their hard hearts. Now, now to us, that means they're just callous. They're just cruel. But, but when it says that their hearts were hard, Mark uses this a few times in his gospel. And it really means that they're just so stubborn and resistant to the purposes of God. So God has purpose for Jesus' life. God has purpose for this man with the deformed hand. God has purpose for the Sabbath. But the Pharisees' hearts were so hard, they were, it's not that they couldn't see it, but they were resistant to the purposes of God. They were not humble before God, and they were not teachable by God. They were stubbornly resisting the purpose of God. They could read the Old Testament. They thought God preferred strict obedience no matter what. Even if someone was in need, too bad, we've got to do this. Even if someone was desperate, too bad, we've we got to do this. Even if someone was needed rescuing or healing or blessing, that's too bad, we've got to comply with this. They were so focused on honoring God by following the rules that they missed God's real, deeper purpose of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was God's gift to them, but they were treating it like a burden that they had to live under, that they had to comply with, that they had to fulfill. And, and I wonder for you, if you've ever thought about the Sabbath, if you've ever tried to have a Sabbath or incorporate Sabbath into your life, if you've received it as a blessing from God, or if you've treated it as a burden that you have to do, I should do, I guess I should, or I'm supposed to. And I think we can learn from Jesus that, that if we want to do that, if we want to follow this commandment from God in the Old Testament, if we want to receive this gift, there are two wrong responses. One of them is to follow it and try and enforce it like the Pharisees did very, very strictly. Their hard hearts resisted the purposes of God. They missed the Sabbath because they treated it like a burden rather than a blessing. They took on the burden and tried to honor God with everything, but they missed it. And that's, that's the wrong way to do it. But on the other hand, someone else could just ignore it completely. They go, well, that's, that's old-fashioned. It's from the Old Testament or it's from the 1970s when shops were closed, when footy didn't happen, when you couldn't work on the Sabbath because there was no work to do. That's, it's from the olden days. I'm just going to completely ignore and, and discard the Sabbath 
or you also are stubbornly resisting the purpose of God because he still has a gift for you of the Sabbath day. But if you treat it like a burden rather than a blessing, you'll stubbornly miss out on what he has for you. Now, we skipped over two verses in between the two stories. So at the end of Mark chapter 2, Jesus finishes what he's saying to the Pharisees before going inside the synagogue. This is what he says in verse 27. He says, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the needs of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man himself is Lord even over the Sabbath. So Jesus is master of the Sabbath. He's the boss. He doesn't just interpret it in a correct way. He's the boss of it. And the boss says that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. People weren't created to meet the needs of the Sabbath. So God intended one day of rest each week to meet your needs. God didn't create you to meet his needs of one day a week of rest. If you don't do anything with the Sabbath, if you flat out ignore it, God isn't watching you thinking, I'm so annoyed that they are not taking the Sabbath seriously. They're not resting for a day a week and it's messing with me because I'm missing out. I wish they'd get their act together and take the Sabbath seriously for my sake because I'm dishonored by their refusal to rest. That, that's, that's not what Jesus represents as God's heart. Instead, what Jesus represents is that God is more likely watching you missing out on the Sabbath, thinking, I'm so disappointed for your sake that you're not resting for a day a week. Can't you see how much you need it? Can't you see that your body and your mind has limits and you need to down tools? You need to turn your phone off. You need to stay away from work. Can't you see how life-giving it is to live within limits? Can't you see how great it is to devote a whole day to me, to worship me? Can't you see how good the blessing and perspective and hope is when you practice this gift I've given you? So the Sabbath is God's gift to you. It was and it is. Even today, when all the society and culture around you has changed, the Sabbath is God's gift to you. So what are you going to do with it? Will you keep treating it like a burden that you have to live up to? Or will you receive it like a blessing that you can enjoy and benefit from? I want to give you four words today that will help you to practice the Sabbath as a blessing, to receive it as a gift. So rest is the obvious one that's not on the screen. The Sabbath means rest. That's the idea. But I'm going to give you four other words to help you think about the Sabbath and to focus, focus on it and receive the blessing. And the first word is control. When it comes to the Sabbath and you think about control, let go of it. Let go of control. Because the Sabbath was designed to remind you that you aren't God. For six days a week, you can do your best to try and control the world. For six days a week, you do your best to try and control your own life. For six days a week, you do your best to try and do as much good and bring as much value and help as many people as you can. But for one day a week, God wants to remind you that you aren't in control. So let go of it and hand it back to him. For six days a week, you make the calls, you keep the shop open, you feed the people, you partner with God to make a difference in the world. 
But for one day a week, let go of that control and let God do it himself. Don't return the calls. Don't answer the emails. Don't meet their needs. Don't try and change the world. Resist the temptation. Resist the enslavement. Resist the addiction to achieve. Resist the bondage to consumerism and that need for more and more and more. Let the Sabbath remind you that you aren't in control. God is. Because by the end of the Sabbath day, the world will still be there. The people will still be waiting. The calls will still be there to be returned. The emails will be there to be replied to and all the work will still be there to do and nothing will have fallen apart. So let go of your tight control and hand it over to God. The second word is worship. Do it. Do worship. The Sabbath was designed to draw your attention to God and to worship him. So when you Sabbath, however you do that, you should worship God in a way that you enjoy and can really connect with him. So paint on your Sabbath. Create. Spend Sabbath with people that you love, with friends and food and coffee. Spend your Sabbath outside while walking through the bush. Or get out a pen and paper and journal on your Sabbath. The Sabbath was designed as a day to worship God with extra time and extra space. Fun. Have fun. You know, when the Sabbath is talked about in the Old Testament, especially when God is, is upset with the way that the people are treating it, it's combined. It's your festivals and your Sabbaths. Your Sabbaths and your festivals. Now, festivals are fun. And so I think there's a, a precedent there that the Sabbath doesn't have to be horrible. It's not supposed to be a burden. It's not supposed to be terrible. It might be difficult at first if you're having to discipline yourself to do less, but it should be fun. It should be something that you can enjoy. And the last word is freedom. So explore it. Explore the Sabbath as the gift that God gives to bless us. He doesn't have strict expectations of when and how. He doesn't have expectations he needs you to meet. The Sabbath was made for you. You weren't made for the Sabbath. And so you have freedom to explore it. Now, if you don't already do this, if you don't have a day a week that you try and rest and not work, then it might feel absolutely impossible to start right now, like just cold turkey begin. And that's totally fine because the Sabbath was made for you. And so take it today and begin to explore it. Even if it just meant adding one hour into your week this week, that you intentionally try and do these things to down tools and rest in the mode of the Sabbath. Now, traditionally, um, for the Jewish people, Sabbath was from sunset on Friday until sunset on Saturday. More recently in Christian culture, Sunday was synonymous with the Sabbath. But there are no fixed rules about when and no fixed rules about how. So receive the gift and begin to explore it. Add an hour or add some time. And in each season of your life, it's going to look different. And some seasons are going to be much harder, especially depending on who's in your house or if you have children, what age they are, and if you're traveling and things like that. Uh, I'm going to um, chuck up on the screen before I tell you what Sabbath looks like for me, a link 
QR code or the link is beneath it, which is an article that I didn't write um, by a lady just exploring Q&A of all these different things about Sabbath with some great ideas of what it can look like in different seasons of your life. And um, we'll post this with the message on, online as well. But for me, most weeks Wednesday is a Sabbath day for me and for Laura and I. It's our day of rest. It's not perfect and my practice of it isn't perfect, but, but I'm okay with that because it seems that Jesus was okay with that as well. So in addition to resting, I try and put into practice those four words, that I let go of control, and particularly of our church. Because it's my job not to be in control, but it's my job to do my best to lead, to carry responsibility. And so on Wednesdays, I do my best to let go of those responsibilities and hand them back to God or to others. And there are always things that I could do. Some weeks there are things that I should do. There are always things that I want to do in work because that will make the rest of my week easier or remove the load from my shoulders. There are always people in need. But on Wednesdays, I do my best to let go of control and trust God with my responsibilities. And I worship. Because on Wednesdays, I have more headspace and more heart space for reading the Bible, for prayer, for relaxing in God's presence and listening to him. And for me, outside is really helpful. So at least part of Wednesday should be outside with unhurried, unrushed time outside. And I try and have fun. So most Wednesdays, Laura and I get to spend the day together and we'll try and do things we enjoy. So often outside, a bushwalk or doing something and things that are refreshing and life-giving, things that we can look forward to. And I have freedom because no two Wednesdays ever look the same for me. If I'm wanting to honor God and honor his gift of the Sabbath with my day, I need to keep my heart soft and humble before him and accept the freedom to try different things and explore different ways. If you're a bit older, you'll know that our government used to help us Sabbath because Sundays were days of rest. The shops weren't allowed to open. Sport wasn't allowed to be played. We were forced to live in a way that we didn't always want to, which is why over time the laws have changed because not everyone wants to live in that way. Now, if the government came along tomorrow and said, hey, we are implementing a mandated siesta, in the country of Australia, every day of the week, between 1pm and 2pm, you cannot be standing up. You must lay down and your eyes must be closed between 1pm and 2pm. Now, in so many ways, that would be a blessing. But, but also, how inconvenient would that be? How annoying and what a burden would that be if at 1pm on the dot, you're, you're two minutes away from home, walking home, and you've got to lie down in the sun for an hour. <laughs> the law would force us into behavior, but it wouldn't change our hearts. And what God wants is our hearts. Soft hearts, devoted to him, wanting to honor him with our time and our energy, and to receive and honor his gift of the Sabbath. In a world that is insanely burned out, Sabbath is a desperately needed gift. God knew that you couldn't thrive without it. And Jesus taught us how to make use of it in ways that bless us. So the best way 
to honor God with the Sabbath is to receive the gift and use it in ways that bless you. Because the Sabbath was made for you, you weren't made for the Sabbath. So let's pause with a question and then we'll go into prayer from there. What do you need to change in your life to receive and use the gift of the Sabbath? Let's pause and then I'll pray. God, we thank you for this ancient, ancient gift. And today, many of us have realized that we have been misusing it because we've been stubbornly resisting your purpose. For some of us, we have been living under the burden of trying to to live up to the Sabbath and feeling like we're failing or, or just not enjoying it. And others of us have been stubbornly resisting your purpose because we just forgot or we ignored or we wrote it off or we explained it away and we've just been trying to do everything ourselves all the time. But we want to be humbly teachable by you, with soft hearts towards you. And so we thank you for this gift. And I pray that you would help us to unwrap it and to use it in a way that blesses us as you intended not as a burden. And I ask that as we do that, that you would show us the fruit of accepting this gift. That even though it might feel weird and it it might actually be painful and a little bit burdensome at first, that that soon, Lord, in, in, in due time, we would experience the blessing of following this ancient practice that you knew that we would need today. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.